Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, in this episode, Stefan is joined by Tony Grabmeyer, co-founder of Ship Offers, an Inc. 5000 company that provides ship fulfillment solutions for marketers across a variety of niches. While Tony is passionate about business, his true calling is to create a safe and inspiring community for entrepreneurs that know they can achieve anything they want despite their past. Tony combined his lessons and experiences over the past 24 years to create the Be Fulfilled Journal, a journal that has enabled over 4,234 entrepreneurs to develop a fresh vision for their life and enable them to take action right away. And he also created the five-star Be Fulfilled podcast, The Real Stories Behind Success. Here's a glimpse of the transformative insights you're about to discover. How Tony started ship offers in a garage, licking 2,000 stamps a day and grew it to an Inc. 5000 company. The two simple but powerful things needed to scale to a nine to 10 figure business. Why Tony's effective morning routine is the key to his astonishing success. I hope you enjoy. Well, let's go back in time to like when you were, I mean, so ship off, how did ship offers start then exactly? Even if your partners for, for quite a while, right? I'd love to get to the origin story of that. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was crazy. I was in Idaho yesterday and one of our original founding partners, he was in for like six weeks, moved to Idaho and I, I've kept in touch with him over the years. We were partners in our uh, previous company. And so I ran into him yesterday and Josh got to sit at the table. It was so cool. And Josh got to hear all our old stories and all the things that we had done and I mean, I'm not claiming that I helped to start the male enhancement industry, but I'm definitely one of the people responsible for the growth of the male enhancement industry. Um, so I've been around this this business since 96 or so online salad. And so, you know, from driving traffic, selling stuff online, um, the origin story is on October 20th of 2000, I decided to walk away from a previous company that I was a partner in and decided to journey down kind of doing my own thing. Um, a couple guys came and jumped on that ship and we launched our company as I-5 and in 2001, we formally got, you know, an office, but between October and let's say February 23rd, this business launched in my garage. So I like to classify like, hey, just like, you know, Amazon and Apple and all these other businesses, we started in a garage with a healthy idea 
And at the time we'd sell two to 3000 orders a day. You know, there was, there was, you know, email marketing and other stuff going on. And uh, I'd run around looking for stamps at the post office, licking stamps to put them on manila envelopes and, you know, dropping products into the, you know, the post office. And we scaled and eventually got to the point, I'm like, I can't do this anymore, man. I, I can't lick 2000 stamps a day. I mean, it's fun and all, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't work. So we formed a, a small little company, uh, I-5, and got about 2,000 square feet of space in Van Nuys, California. And we moved there and we kind of started that process. And about six months in, um, a gentleman came to our company and happens to be here today. And he is our operations manager for all the warehouse. So he's now grown into having almost 100 employees running around his team. But he started, you know, and he has had a chance to grow up with us over the past, you know, 20 years. And uh, through that whole process, we went from selling online, doing a decent job at it, but realized that probably wasn't our sweet spot. What our sweet spot was, is what I mentioned earlier, just taking care of the customer and figuring out how to do that. So for the first 10 years of our business, we would sell online and do a lot of wholesaling and white labeling. And then we got stuck in the eBay world, man. Got stuck in the onesies and twosies and sell something for six bucks and somebody calls you up and goes, he's selling it for 605. And I'm like, well, then what are you gonna do? He's like, I'm gonna sell it for 604. And then that whole game went back and forth. And about 2014, 2015, we threw our hands up in there and said, no more onesies and twosies, no more people calling us up and buying small little orders. And that was a big game changer. And I know that through coaching and teaching, you know, increase the value of the offer, make it irresistible, give them something that, you know, you would do a thousand times a day and not complain about. And so we just changed our minimums and, and really that changed the mindset for all of us behind the scenes and changed the mindset of the buyers that we were working with. And that really helped us to hone in on our avatar. And then from 2015 till today, um, it's just been one of those kind of up and down deals because the market shifts and changes what's hot today is gone tomorrow. And so we, we realized we needed to hone in even more and we're constantly in test phase. You know, there is, there is no straight line in being an entrepreneur or a business owner. It, it bends and curves and sometimes it puts you in a ditch. But the most important thing that we've seen over the last, I'd say three years, is just clear vision. Being very clear on who you serve, how you wanna do it, and then getting people on your team to, to align with you. And so since 2018, uh, you know, it's been nice, man. We doubled 100% last year. You know, 100% growth in an in a, in a uncertain time. And right now we're at 50% over last year. And so really what does that mean is that we're growing, our brand's growing, but people go, well, you've been around for 20 years. I said, yeah, but very focused for the last like three or four, very focused for the last six years, you know, very focused. Um, and we're learning every day. I've never, I've never ran almost a nine figure business before. So I'm learning, you know, every day and, you know, being a CEO is fun, but I've got a phenomenal, I have one business partner, phenomenal business partner in the other room. You know, he's in charge of, you know, seeing the buying uh, trends, seeing the growth, working with the channel partners to make sure we get paid on time. Cause now we are a bank and if banks don't get paid, what do they do? They come running. And our customers are not just in the US, our customers are all over the world and all over, you know, in places that you're not gonna jump on a plane in a COVID time and go visit. There's just, it's not gonna happen. So really building amazing impeccable relationships and being our word has helped us to really find people doing the same. So what are some of the things that you, I guess lessons you've learned that have enabled you to, to, to not break when scaling? I mean, you guys double, doubling in size last year, right? I mean. Well, I guess what were some of the challenges there and then what were maybe some of the big takeaways that that you know enabled you to navigate through that successfully? 
patience, a lot of patience. <laughs> and I think that's been um, something that I'm really proud of our team. Um, and number two is like, I couldn't do it on my own anymore. So being, being able to empower your team to try, regardless if they're succeeding or not, to be patient with them because people need time. And I don't know if you've ever played any sports. Um, I sucked at everything until I found water polo. And I had a coach who would pull me aside and says, you know, hey, you're gonna have a higher probability of winning games if you'd put yourself in this position and move at a better angle. I was a goalie, so putting yourself in a better position to block the shot. And, you know, I wouldn't listen at first, right? Because I knew better and like, hey, I, he's not in here, it's my game. And little by little, I'd get scored on and we'd start getting frustrated. And then the, the moment I started listening to people around me, so I have business coaches who have been to nine figures and beyond and 10 figure businesses. Last year was a lot of phone calls. Last year was, you know, you started the show about mentorship. I believe that if you are not asking for help, you are gonna die and you're just slowly dying. Nobody knows it all, but if you talk to enough people and you hear the same story, maybe it's something you should pay attention to. So last year was the year of, hey, shows didn't happen. How are we gonna build a brand and a business when you can't go visit your clientele? You know, what would we do differently? Well. We implemented two things that were really, really big to our brand and our business. And if it's applicable for yours, awesome. Number one is if you're in a service-based business, we decided on Mondays, we would call every customer on our account list. Um, so we have account managers, we get them to call every single customer and set the tone for the week. If they text, you text them. If they like voice, if you like you know, camera, whatever, get on the phone with them and give them an idea of what's coming in the week. Then on Friday, recap that with an email or a phone call again, just to say, this is what we got, this is what we're doing. So they can go into the weekend with peace of mind because people just want to know what the heck is going on. So that was really big. I had to make some adjustments. We built a whole VP board. We had no VPs pretty much January of 2020. Now there's seven P VPs for different departments. So that was vital. Um, and getting uh, financial help besides Doug, even though Doug and I have done this for as long as we could, bringing up a guy who's been around, ran multiple companies, helped become the CFO and really move into that position to support Doug, which has been huge. Um, and number two, I think for me, the, the number one thing I have is I have an incredible uh, right hand in Courtney. Courtney has really helped me to, to take my brain, dump it down on the paper and execute way faster because you know, I'm the bottleneck in everything I do. I don't know what you, what you would say about that for yourself, but wherever I go, usually there's something that I'm gonna mess up because I'm trying to do too much. And she helps to juggle all of what I do. She's, she's usually on every call. I'm surprised she isn't even on this call right now. She's usually just taking notes because I'm saying stuff and she's like, oh shit, he just said this, we need to go implement this. We need to go do that. And so just getting people around you who are passionate and who, are, who care. And, and then, you know, at the end of the day, like, if you see it, say something, don't wait for somebody else to come and do it. Like, just go make it happen. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, when we talked, when I went on your podcast a month or so back and you were like, I've got my list of things that I need to do today. And then once I do those things, I can go play on my ranch because you recently bought a ranch. Was that Courtney who gave you the list or was that somebody else? Cause yeah, I know. like everything that I do is punched through with, so nobody can put time on my calendar except for me today. All my time has already been allotted. So like, my son called earlier and he's getting ready to move to Seattle. And I said, hey, after what I'm doing, these couple podcasts this morning, I can jump on a call. I have, a, I have an hour and a half window. So like Josh couldn't even come and put time on my calendar today. Right. And having a gatekeeper is really the, the key to success. 
because I've taught Josh now and Josh is working on getting a gatekeeper. He doesn't want like 50 calls. If you're in a meeting and your phone's constantly ringing, someone isn't really paying attention to you, they're paying attention to their needs and getting people to be very specific on what it is that they're after. Mm. So I have a punch list, I get through it. After you, I have an hour and a half break. I've got one more meeting this afternoon. I'm going home at like two o'clock today to go play on the ranch. Um, and I love it. It's, it's been the biggest and greatest joy of my life. I was gone for three days and every night I wanted to look at pictures and get home and see my wife and my dog. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Um, yeah. And I love that. And I love that idea of being, you know, guarding your time. Um, I agree, man. I, I think, you know, there's like that book death by meeting. There's just a feeling that people have of like, when you're constantly on phone calls, constantly doing meetings that, you know, you can get frustrated because you're like, I feel disconnected from what I want to actually be doing. So there's a time and place for those things to be sure. Right. But there's also, um, it's good to guard and treasure your time. And, and do you do anything? Like, do you have any kind of like deep work time that you sort of like, like put on the calendar or block off time for sort of like that type of stuff? Yeah. So I wake up typically about five or five thirty. head out and get a workout in. Then I, I call it, um, just quiet time. I get up and I journal. Um, I just launched a new campaign called You Are Worth It. So I'm, I'm in beta test and I'm getting ready to scale that. I'm excited because it goes with an app. Um, and so just quiet and get still, deposit into that every day and then give that away. Um, and then read. I think reading is really, really important. Sharpen the mind first thing in the morning. Don't sharpen it at eight o'clock at night because mm. all you're gonna feed at eight o'clock is a rerun of some show that you already watched that isn't really adding any value to your life but is helping you to relax, that's awesome. So I do all my busy work in the morning, try to be done with pretty much anything major, I'd say by noon, anything in the afternoon. I'm kind of just on empty, not in the sense of like not really paying attention, but I kind of feel like I'm at my best in the morning. And so I sleep about four and a half hours a night and I have since wow. I was 18 years old. That's crazy, wow, that's that's really surprising, man. I would have never, I've guessed that. I mean, I think, um, wow. Cause I, I just, I'm such a big believer in sleep normally. Um, I, you know, like right now I'm having these fatigue issues and I, I slept eight hours last night, but, uh, you know, since you were that young, really like only four and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. So when I, when I went off to school to play water polo, um, you know, my parents barely had enough money to send me to school. I went to a junior college. I was lucky enough, um, to go to school. My parents gave me $500, mainly my mom gave me $500 a month to live, $80 for rent and 420, no funny, but 420 for food, drugs and whatever else. And I realized it wasn't going to pay my way, pay for my gas, pay for my car, everything that I needed. So I got a job as a radio button pusher making, you know, I think eight to $12 an hour pushing buttons at a radio station played water polo. And so my day would literally start at 11.30 the previous and go till 5.30 was radio, 6.30 in the pool till 8.30 school from like nine till two to three, three to seven was water polo, a little bit of study, sleep for a little bit and go do it all over again. And what I did is I realized that I challenged myself because I can do anything for a short period of time. I can do anything for a burst of time, but how do you turn it into a lifetime? And really just being very crystal clear that some days I'll come home from work and I'm extremely exhausted and I'll, and I'll take a 15 to 20 minute nap, revitalize, charge a little bit of cell and, and get going again. But it's super important for me to be clear that there'll be times in my life, well, I'll, I'll sleep six hours, but I travel well. Um, if I'm tired, I take a nap. Um, and I'm usually jacked up on caffeine 99.9% .9 of the time, so I'm okay. Like I don't drink, but a man, if you looked at me, you would probably say I'm a caffeaholic because I need caffeine in everything. Mm. 
Interesting, man. That's fascinating. All right, that's just about it for today. Before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is Georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.